This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome into the game plan on the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank, and we are pumped to be joined by the voice of the Sooners. Fresh off a successful trip to Manhattan, Toby Rowland is in the house. T-Row, what a Sunday run this baseball team has been on recently. I mean, this is borderline unexplainable, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, you know, this they're having a really good season. Um, and they've been really good on Friday nights this year as well. But they are now 10-0 and on Sundays, which is amazing. It's absolutely amazing because, you know, many of the times the series has been on the line this year. And uh, I'll tell you what it's done, Chris. It's made for a whole lot of good travel days. Because <laughs> usually, usually you're traveling on Sunday. At least if you're on the road, you're coming home. So uh, that's been great. Last week they won a uh, extra innings game in Morgantown, and then uh, this Sunday they win the series decider in Manhattan. So it's been a fun year. Uh, It's great to see them kind of correct their course here after they went through about a two, two two-and-a-half-week dry spell. And they're playing good baseball again. They've won five of their last seven. They went two straight road series in conference play. They sit all alone in third place right now in the Big 12 standings and in really good shape to make the NCAA tournament. I think this morning their RPI is at 20. So they're they're safely in the field right now, and even with a shot, an outside shot maybe, but a shot at, uh, at hosting a regional if they could finish strong. So it's been a fun year, and that was a, a fun way to finish that weekend in Manhattan. You know, and, and it says a lot, too, about the challenge in the Big 12. I mean, you every weekend – you're challenged. I mean, even even though Kansas State isn't all that great of a team this year, Toby, they made a mistake on Saturday. In And I remember one of your keys to the game on Saturday was no free passes, and they struggled in giving away free passes. The walks were a major problem for them, and they didn't give them any free bases on Sunday, which, by the way, was also a Louisville slugger key to the game, and they ended up winning the game. I mean, everywhere you go, there's a team that can exploit your weakness in the Big 12. Even though Kansas State struggles, they're, they're still a team that can jump up and get you, and they put this in a, in a tough situation for the Sooners on Sunday. You know, Kansas State beat South Carolina at South Carolina wow. early in the year. Wow. And they're the last place team in this conference, and it looks like they may be the team that misses Bricktown. Uh, this year. So this is as good and deep, I think, as the Big 12 has been in baseball in several years. They're going to probably get six teams in the field, maybe seven, if uh, Oklahoma State or Kansas finishes strong here. But I think pretty safe to say six teams at least are getting in, which is, you know, in a nine-team conference, that's 67% of your league and maybe more. So it's uh, it's a, a slugfest, uh, week in and week out, and um, I, that really makes what is coming up this weekend. And I'm not, uh, I'm sure you're going to turn toward this TCU series. I don't mean to steal a question, but it makes it that much more of an opportunity for Oklahoma because if they could win a series against TCU at home this weekend, they would have uh, a series win over both Texas Tech and TCU the 
top two teams in this conference, uh, and that would be their fifth series win over a top 25 team this year. They've already got four, and that would be really handsome. I mean, you know, you, you talk about a selection committee going over your resume and kind of nitpicking the pluses and minuses. That would be a really nice mark in the plus category if they could get it. So I, I think they've got kind of a no-lose situation this weekend where they've got a great opportunity to uh, really enhance their resume. Real quick before we get to TCU, because uh, I haven't had a chance to watch them a ton this year, and uh, Jim Schlossnagel's done a bit, uh, an incredible job there. Uh, but did you really get someone tweet at you this weekend that they were listening while listening to the Pope? Yeah, that JB's uh, JB Olson is the closer for the Sooners, who uh, came in and got a seven-out save on Sunday. His family, uh, kind of extended family, really, is traveling to Europe. They are in the middle of a European vacation. So last week, while we were at Morgantown, they tweeted us during the game, saying that they were all listening to the game at thirty thousand feet while they were flying to Europe. They had dialed up, you know, the airplane Wi-Fi and were listening to the game. Well, this weekend they were. Uh, in, we were following their travels every game. They would uh, shoot us a picture from wherever they were. And on Sunday, they were at the Vatican uh, looking up at the Pope, who was addressing the crowd, I assume listening to Sooner Baseball in their <laughs> earbuds, and uh, sent us a picture of the Pope while they uh, were at the Vatican. Oh. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. What you know this, Chris. I mean, it's not just baseball. It's certainly softball and, and football and basketball. It's uh, we, It's fun, and it's it's uh, amazing still. I mean, maybe, maybe it should be old hat by now. But whenever we hear from countries all over the globe that people are dialed in to listen to football games and basketball games and baseball games and softball games, just, you know, the, the breadth and width of, of Sooner Nation, it's, it's amazing. I always find it, too, because interesting and kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, when there's a baseball game on, it's at the same time as the softball game. We kind of share the Twitter feed. So I, I I see a handful of people will always be like, hey, I'm watching softball. You know, I'm watching, you know, to make sure that we <laughs> – because I've joked about it before. I'm like, wait, am I giving this guy that says he's listening in from here credit for baseball or for softball right now? Uh, but in all reality, it's great to see that passion all across I the globe. I saw you got a tweet from Greece. How about that? Uh, yeah. This weekend, yeah. Somebody checking out uh, OU softball from Greece. And, and, and I felt bad. I know you and I talked about this at the end of your radio show, and I'll get, I'll get into it in the end. But, you know, I'm one of those guys that starts getting nervous, and softball moves so fast. I mean, I, and I know boo-hoo, right? But there's a lot of times where softball will move so fast that I'll get to the seventh inning, and I'm like, oh, no, I haven't gone through my Twitter feed like I need to so far. But, uh, yeah, we appreciate everything, every, every tweet that we get and everyone that's checking in. Now, uh, I want to talk about softball. We'll do that a little bit uh, near the end. But what, what do you see in TCU? What's made this team so good this year? You know, I think TCU is a legitimate, not just a legitimate Omaha contender, but a national title contender. They get everything you could want in a college baseball team. They hit for power. They hit for average. They've got front-line pitching, and they got a great bullpen. And uh, so, I mean, this is they're the best team in the Big 12. They're two games clear of Texas Tech now, and it looks like they're going to win this conference. Uh, so this is a major, major challenge. Uh, Lucan Baker is the big stick in that lineup, maybe the most you know famous current college baseball player in America for the tear he went on last year in the uh, postseason. Uh, he's only hit eight home runs this year, and I say only because 
Uh, I feel like he hit eight home runs in Omaha last season. So his home run numbers are down a little bit, but he certainly has a ton of power. Their catcher, Evan Skaug, also a huge bat. He's got 12 home runs on the year. Uh, up and down their lineup, one through nine, they're extremely dangerous, and they're just it's no break. There's no inning like with some other teams where you say, oh, we get seven, eight, and nine in the batting average this inning. This will be a little easier. That doesn't happen with TCU. And then on top of that, they've got some of the best, highest recruited, sure to be in the pros' arms around. Uh, Nick Lodolo, highly talented freshman. Jared Janzak's probably been their best pitcher this year. And then they got the, the big guy, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, Brian Howard. He might be 6'9". I don't know. He's, he goes forever. Uh, and and, then, and as I mentioned, the back of their bullpen uh, has been great as well. Uh, 15 saves on the year, and Durbin Feltman's got 11 of them. So it's going to be a, a big, big challenge. There have been occasions of late where the TCU pitching has been more vulnerable than we're used to. Uh, Texas Tech went nuts on them a couple of weeks ago. I think they scored 21 runs. Texas scored 10 on them on Friday night last week and walked the game in extra innings, which had to be maddening. So there have been kind of these uh, patches where we haven't seen them just be as dominant as we're used to. But, I mean, they're really, really good, and um, I think the you know, it's going to be tough to win a series from them. If you get one game this weekend, it's going to help your resume. If you get two games, watch out. I think OU's legitimately into the conversation to be an NCAA regional host at that point. And it's also pretty amazing, Toby, what this baseball team has done. Like any team in any season, they have injuries that have robbed them of some key players during key times. But the good news is Jake Irvin looks good through a lot of pitches on Friday night and seemed to stand up to the test. But then, you know, guys like Dylan Grove, who at one point in the season was the Friday guy and then just kind of kind of lost it a little bit. And they've had other players step up. I th- For me personally, that's been one of my favorite things about watching this team and following them this season is watching different guys step up. And listen, I, I know Jessica Cootie's got a feature coming out on Renee Martinez, and he might be the best example. You know, a guy that hit, what, 240 last year, and, you know, Dominic Dorenzo with the shoulder injury, not really back to 100% yet. And, boy, you talk about a guy that's just, you know, par the pun, taking the ball and run with it. You know, you've got some great stories about players that weren't necessarily cast as a, a superstar in the preseason that have, that have really become it, and then guys that have stepped up throughout the season. I think it's been an, an amazing kind of – ebb and flow to this season with guys stepping up when other guys go down or guys having good seasons that maybe weren't thought you know they would they would be in this position yeah it has to happen that way when you got this long of a season and Rene Martinez is probably the MVP of this team this year and you're right he's a great story out of Compton California obviously a rough neighborhood and uh, he got an opportunity late last season because of Dorenzo's injury to play and he took the most he took advantage of it he played really well down the stretch and so when this year started and Dorenzo still wasn't ready to catch, uh, Rene got the start, and he just hasn't let go. I mean, it's just impossible to put anybody else's name in that starting lineup. I think he's third in the league in batting average. He's hitting for power. He had four doubles this weekend alone in this series. So he settled into the three-hole. He's a senior leader. He's a very good backstop behind the plate. He handles a pitching staff well. And he's been great at the plate. And you mentioned the injury thing. It was really frustrating around here for two or three weeks as as Oklahoma was losing games. Seven in a row, 
nine out of ten, and it was easy to throw your hands up and say, what's going on here? You know, what, what happened to this team? And yet, if you just look at this weekend, in, on Sunday, Devin Perez had a great start, handed the ball to Connor Berry, who handed the ball to J.B. Olsen. All three of those guys were hurt. If you look at Friday night, Jake Irvin got the start through 119 pitches at OU1. He was hurt. I mean, you could almost look at every game and say, all right, who's the star of the game? They were hurt during that tour. Wow. At some point or for the whole time. So uh, they're all back healthy. Now, you mentioned Dylan Grove, the great mystery here down the stretch. He's having a hard time finding the strike zone, so they've taken him out of the rotation for the time being. Can they get him right and get him back apart uh, either out of the bullpen or as a starter? Maybe it happens in the Big 12 tournament if they can extend out and have a fourth or fifth game or whatever. But can Dylan Grove get right so that he can help this team because he's just too big of a talent to sit on the bench. So I really hope Skip Johnson can work some magic there and get Dylan a part of things again. You know, you mentioned Skip Johnson. It's really been fun to see the difference that he's made. And, and again, that's not anything against uh, Pins or anyone that's been there before. But, Toby, I don't know. You're around it much more than anyone else. But it just seems like the way his approach is something that's really been beneficial to this entire team. Well, there's no doubt, uh, and it, it shows itself up statistically. I think it shows itself in the confidence with which his guys take the mound. Um, there have been some frustrating games of late where they've walked too many guys, and you mentioned that on Friday and Saturday. But that's kind of a Skip Johnson trait, to be honest with you, because he thinks the game a little differently than everybody else, which is why he's so successful. You know, he's constantly calling pitches – anticipating what you're thinking and calling the opposite. So you'll hmm. see him a lot of times in three ball counts, full counts, or even three one counts, ask his guys to throw a breaking ball because he knows you're anticipating a fastball. And that may lead to more walks than normal, but it doesn't lead to three-run home runs. And that's a big deal. Um, they have given up only 19 home runs as a pitching staff all season, and that's well below anybody else in this conference. So they've done a great job keeping the ball in the park. Obviously, across the board, statistically, their ERA's down, strikeouts are up, um, and he's been just a great calming influence. I mean, there's really no arguing with the man. All you, you know, if there's ever a moment where a college kid questions Skip Johnson, all he's got to say is Clayton Kershaw, and it shifts you up in a, you know... <laughs> In a moment. I mean, if Clayton Kershaw is calling this guy asking for advice, then how in the world are you going to question anything he has to say? So I think he has a tremendous amount of leverage. It's been challenging dealing with the injuries, but he's been able to maneuver this team through it. And I think they're pretty well stocked and healthy and, and ready for a stretch run here. Hey, and then one final thought before we wrap up with some softball talk. Uh, Pete's a really laid-back guy, I think, in a lot of ways. And I, I think, Toby, there was that spot during the seven-game skid where you could panic and you could freak out a little bit, and we saw that in the fan base. But, man, that's a guy in Coach Hughes. He, his confidence never wavered, did it? It was, hey, this is – we're going to get this done. We're going to be okay. We, we're going to turn around because we've got no other choice. I just – you know, we bring up Skip Johnson's mindset and his approach, but 
Boy, Pete never really wavers on his. No, and I wish everybody had an opportunity to see Pete in his natural habitat in the dugout around the team on a daily basis like we have the privilege to get to do because he's a fascinating human being. He's the dominant personality in that dugout. He is hilarious. I mean, he, he, he can tell... Uh, some of the best stories you've ever heard. I mean, he just—he's he, a great storyteller. He's got a great person, larger than life personality, and I think that his positivity—you know—he wakes up every day and shows up at the ballpark, just a bundle of energy. Yeah, and that is valuable when you're losing games or when you're at the end of a road trip and everybody's a little tired. Or it's game three. You want to know why they've won so many game threes? Because, you know, Pete Hughes shows up at the ballpark a lot of times uh, excited about the opportunity to win a series. And I think that permeates on down to his team. That's at least a part of it. So I I love the guy. I just think he's uh, tremendous. I hope they, uh, you know, can finish off this season in great style and hopefully end up in Omaha because I like the Sooners, but I really want it for him, too. I want it for him and for this team, and and, uh, I think they deserve it. This has been a really fun coaching staff and a really fun team to cover this year. Uh, I say one final thought, but a sweep, and are we talking about the possibility of hosting? Or two of three, are we talking about the possibility of hosting? I mean – Or is it a long shot? No, no, I I think two of three – and Oklahoma is on the radar of the NCAA selection committee because they're already at number 20 in the RPI, and they're the third-place team in the number one RPI conference in the nation. And if they were to win a series against TCU, on top of already having won a series from Texas Tech, who's going to be a host, already won a series from Long Beach State, who's probably going to be a host, Baylor, who's going to be a two-seed, West Virginia, who's going to be a two-seed at worst, uh, at worst, um, you know, that, that goes a long way. A, a sweep, and I think they probably will get penciled in wow. as a regional host for the time being. But if they go, how about this, if they go two of three from TCU and two of three from Oklahoma State, I think that locks them down as at least the third-place team in this conference, and they're going to get very strong consideration to be a, a regional host. Anything short of that, meaning lose the TCU series or lose the Oklahoma State series, and I think they're probably looking at a two seed. And of course, you know, what you do for the Big Twelve tournament matters. If you go two and done, that's a that's a negative. If you beat go to the championship game or win it, obviously that's a positive. But just considering what's left in the regular season, that would that would kind of be the way I'd size it up. I will say, as we wrap up, I love your positivity about softball getting into the top eight, man. For those that aren't familiar, the key is to get into the top eight of not just the RPI, but they do these, you know, how the college football has their ranking system and they'll throw it out. The college softball committee has started putting out their rankings. Oklahoma hasn't been in the top ten of the only two that they'll show, but I love how you're upbeat. You see positive vibes here in the future and getting into that top eight and hosting a super regional, don't you? Or potentially hosting a super regional, I should say. Well, I mean, I don't have any clue. You follow uh, <laughs> softball closer than I do. But, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine the way that they finished this year. What is it, 24 out of 25? Yeah, yep, like 24 last 25. And, and, you know, let's say they run through the Big 12 tournament, which I think they got a pretty good chance to do. That the committee, 
is going to sit down. What are they ranked in the polls right now? Like uh, yeah, it, they just came out, as a matter of fact, and they moved up a bit. They were, I think, uh, 13th, 11th, 11th in the RPI. They had moved up to 11 in the RPI. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, the committee is going to sit down and, and look at this. They, these are the defending national champions. They're tremendously hot right now. Uh, I think they're going to get one. I, I could be wrong. Maybe they'll end up getting the 9 or the 10 or whatever. But I think you're going to see Oklahoma be a, a, a top eight national seed and be in a line to host the regional and a super regional. I know that RPI is important, and the conference releases uh, worry me a little bit. But I think when push comes to shove, that Oklahoma name right now is bigger than any other name in college softball. And I think they're going to be uh, – it's going to be just too tempting, and they're, they're going to sneak in there and get a regional host. We'll see. I hope you're right. Toby, thanks for the time, buddy. Always good catching up with you, and have a great call this weekend for OUTCU. All right. Keep it upright, Chris. <laughs> thanks, Toby. So there you have it. Toby Rowland, the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, joining us here on the Sooner Sports Podcast, where I guess you could say is typical slot with us. Usually he's on with us on the game plan. But, you know, it's an interesting, I guess you could say, study for me personally as someone who still every day tries to learn a little bit more about every sport we cover. And I'm still very much a noob when it comes to understanding the the, the softball postseason and how the RPI works and why there is certain discrepancies, uh, discrepancies in the ranking. For instance, how is Baylor still ahead of Oklahoma in the RPI when – they have a very similar resume. I guess the only difference would be, oh, yeah, Oklahoma beat them two out of three. Uh, and Baylor had the win over LSU this year. But for the most part, uh, there are certain things there that, that I just, I'm still studying. I'll say this on the softball side of things. It's important to host a Super Regional. It, and getting into that top eight is key. But this team has been really good on the road. And if... When the brackets are released on Sunday night at 9 o'clock, if Oklahoma is in a position to where they have to travel for the Now, they're going to host a regional. They're going to host – they'll have a Norman regional, and we'll get at least – at the least, you know, three more home games with the Sooners. But I'm not going to be too concerned if they have to travel for a Super Regional. I know it's important. Uh, I know it's a big deal to Coach Gasso, and I understand why. Because when they had to go on the road against Alabama a couple years ago, they, they really got hosed, and they did not deserve to have to go on the road, and it cost them. But with the way this team plays on the road and the chip they have on their shoulder, uh, chalk me up as one of those guys that's not really going to be too terribly upset to see them have to go on the road if they reach a Super Regional. This has been an amazing run considering where they were after the trip to Los Angeles. This was a team that was frustrated. They had played their best ball, you know, losing games to Cal Poly, losing a game to Arizona when they had a lead in the bottom of the seventh inning and arguably should have won their game. Might have been Paige Parker's best pitching performance of the season. But to see where they are now and to see how they're winning games and how they're dominating – Man, I, I cannot wait for the Big 12 tournament this weekend. I cannot wait for the postseason regional, super regionals. And I can't wait to see them make a run back to the Women's College World Series. They are they're a blast. Now, uh, I'll have all the information available on next week's game plan, on ticket information for the regionals, 
uh, and, and everything, r- rankings beyond that. Maybe we'll even see if we can get Coach Gasso to join us uh, on, on Mondays, on next week's game plan to kind of go a little bit more in depth because there will be a lot to talk about since the brackets will be released. And to go back on what Toby was talking about, this is a monster weekend for baseball. You know, you had the Texas Tech series earlier this year, and Oklahoma took two of three. Tech's been really good all season long. But TCU, as you heard from Toby, this is a team that has a chance to make a run to Omaha. Guess who else does? Oklahoma. You make a statement this weekend, take two of three, heck, even sweep the series, and you might be in a position where we're talking postseason baseball in Norman. How sweet would that be? Thanks so much for downloading and subscribing to the Sooner Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Friday with a complete preview of the weekend ahead in Sooner Athletics. Until then, everyone have a great week, and Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.